Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm Propel. And today, we're going to tackle a question I know so many people working in government are grappling with right now. And that is, why should public sector leaders have a digital presence? Yes, the smell of democracy sausage is well and truly in the air as we're ready for another federal election, but well beyond political cycles. I want to explore the opportunity all government leaders, political and bureaucratic, have in the digital world. Now, the pros and cons of having a personal digital presence and the importance of setting the example for younger, budding professionals who are considering their career choices and are heavily influenced by what they see online. This is a topic that's really close to my heart, having worked with 30-odd agencies and leaders over the years with Propel, and it's something that I know our very knowledgeable guest has a point of view on as well. So without any further fuss, it's a real pleasure to welcome David Pembroke, CEO of the Content Group, host of the GovComs and Work With Purpose podcasts, and a man with many other talents, I think it's fair to say. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Rog. So, David, I know this is something that you feel passionately about and we've talked about previously. So let's get straight into our topic today. Why should public sector leaders have a digital presence? In your eyes, what's the business case for leaders? I believe that they do need to have uh, a presence uh, for a number of reasons. And, And the first of those reasons is that government does so much good work that they really do need to get out and tell the story. And we know that in this day and age, we need to be in the places where people are spending their time. We need to be creating the content in the formats that people are consuming content in. And therefore, uh, public sector leaders in government and the elected leaders also need to make sure that they are explaining the policies, the programs, the services, the regulations that are impacting on uh, everyday Australians in the way that people want to receive that information. So therefore, there's been, you know, this massive transformation in the way that people receive information. Uh, Government has to change with the times, has to modernise and has to be able to get out and tell its stories. There's a a second part to it, I think, for public sector or bureaucratic leaders, and that's to be able to send a message to their staff. Often they're leading many, many thousands of people, and it's often what I hear from people inside the departments. They love to see their leaders um, retweeting, sharing um, the work that they're doing and the content that they're creating, and it really gives them a lift to know that their leadership is engaged, is watching, is sharing. And there are a number of really good examples of leaders uh, who are doing that. Uh, and probably the third point I would uh, would make is that there, there is often tension between um, senior bureaucrats and elected political leaders. You know, where, you know, where does the responsibility begin? Where does it end? You know, are you in my lane? Are you taking my story? So there is that little bit of tension that needs to be negotiated. But I think in the interests of explaining where and how money is being invested for the benefit of Australian people, 
I think it's in everyone's best interest to have those conversations early, um, to work together with ministerial officers and, and senior areas of public services to really understand where, in fact, that line is and to and to both get out there and do what it is that you, you do in order to um, better explain to people, but also to receive that feedback. Because again, often in stakeholder engagement, you need the feedback to better help um, the design of policy and program. And then to be able to go back to people to close the feedback loop and say, look, we got your feedback. Thanks very much for that feedback. This is how we're going to use it. Uh, and again, uh, that transaction uh, is increasingly taking place online. And so therefore, that's another reason why uh, government leaders need to be involved in um, communicating online. It says that many good points you've just raised there, David. I think that that idea, that concept of fishing where the fish are, you know what I mean? If, if people, if, if citizens, if staff, and I would argue also prospective staff, you know, candidates who are looking around and considering their options, if they are themselves active online, as you say, you need to be present where they are. And what I loved about what you were saying there, not just to communicate, but also to listen. So if there are really important and compelling reasons why, you know, you don't want to be left behind if you're working in the public sector, what's holding people back at the moment? What is holding back leaders? And I think a third point touched on that, the tension between elected leaders and, and bureaucrats. But what other things are out there, the common barriers holding leaders back? Well, I think one of the things I'm seeing at the moment is, you know, there is that general risk um, aversion inside bureaucratic cultures and you don't change culture overnight and it's, you know, social media hasn't been with us for very long and while the uptake is now, you know, ubiquitous and, and the use of phones are ubiquitous, I think it is going to take a while for those cultures to, to mature um, for those relationships between ministerial offices and um, and bureaucracies, I think they're going to have to, uh, you know, mature over time as well. So as that we understand that benefits can be achieved via these um, particular uh, modes of of communication. So that's not going to happen quickly. Um, but certainly, social media has transformed um, political communication. And I think that what that's doing is certainly giving uh, people who work in ministerial offices a huge insight into the importance of communicating effectively online. So I think those changes are coming. I think the maturation is coming. But again, it does take a while for that to work through the bureaucracy. So I think it is going to take time before we see any sort of you know, freewheeling notion that that's probably never going to get there. Um, but it, it, you are seeing more and more uh, all the time. I think one of the other things that I have noticed, which I tend not to agree with, is, again, around risk and around control. Uh, you know, big departments have got many, many, many stories to tell, and they've got huge numbers of audiences located in different parts of Australia at different sizes, and often what's happening at the moment is that it's a bit of a one-size-fits-all approach. And so if I'm going to this particular department, I'm getting the whole story where in actual fact, I don't really care about the whole story. I just want to know about the bit that interests me. And so I think what's going to happen over time is that we're going to evolve from where we hold the department's channels where we're telling the whole story. What's going to happen is that there's going to be this devolution and you know there are going to be a lot lot more 
uh, channels developed over time because they're going to be ne- they're going to need to be because it's the only way that you're going to be able to capture a person's time and attention. I'm just not going to sit there and scroll through to look for the stuff that I'm looking for. You know, I want it delivered to me in the to- at the time in the format in the place of my choosing. I don't want to have to work hard. People aren't going to have to aren't going to work hard for information. They don't care whether you're the government or whoever you are. If you're not making it easy for people, you're not being effective. So I think we're going to see um, a massive expansion over time of the numbers of uh, channels that that are out there because the, you're going to have to need to to meet the needs of the audience. That, that's a really good point, and I think we, you know, COVID obviously put a bit of rocket fuel under that, didn't it? In terms of showing or reminding perhaps agencies and leaders that. People will go where they can most readily and, and easily access information, not where you necessarily want them to go. And I think there's actually a, a fantastic piece of research done by the University of Canberra which points that out. People went to mainstream media first, but they went to social media before they went to traditional sources of authority like, you know, Department of Health websites. So that that change has happened and COVID has accelerated that to the point that you talk about, accessibility. Well, one of the things in there, David, you, so you talked about this idea of the, the devolution of channels, which is a really interesting concept. I, I, and I think it connects also to this link, or perhaps it's a tension, but a link between people understand the need for social media and the need for digital communications and engagement, but perhaps they see that as a brand responsibility. They see that as an entity responsibility, whereas really what we're talking about here today is public sector leaders individually or personally stepping up and and, and having a voice and opinion and engagement online. You're talking about that devolution of channels. One of the things that we talk about is around diversity and depth in leadership teams. So if someone wants or has holds a point of view and they want to get or as much information as they can in a way that aligns with their point of view or from a source that they trust and believe in, that's going to be very different for very different people. So as you talk about that concept of devolution of channels, is it that individual leaders are more likely to resonate with certain stakeholder groups than others? And therefore, it, it therefore makes sense that we have a range of leaders who come from different cultural backgrounds, who represent different things, who are therefore able to bring policy and related discussions into the digital world with their lens on it, as that will resonate more closely with certain audiences. Yeah, I think I think that's part of it. Um, again, as it as as it becomes harder to gain a share of a person's most valuable asset, their time and attention, you are really going to have to think very clearly and very carefully about how indeed you are going to connect with those people. And again, look at the challenge of culturally and linguistically diverse audiences. You know, we you are going to have to have specialists. Uh, in your team, if in if indeed it, it's relevant in terms of the policy or the program that you're involved in, who are able to communicate effectively with those audiences. But the point around devolution, I think, sort of pro- probably goes to, uh, more to um, w- what I see is, uh, you know, the, well, a few things. Resourcing to start with. Um, so in most government agencies, there are central communications teams who are notionally there to support the communications of the department. What's happened is that the, the demands on those teams have become so great, particularly at a political and senior leadership level, that they don't often have a lot of bandwidth left 
to be able to get out and to support a lot of the program and, and policy areas. And so the responsibility for communication and engagement is, is moving out into the organisations because the central areas simply don't have the resourcing to be able to, to meet their particular needs. And because of the way uh, the way digital transformation is working in the in the communication space, is that there is this demand, and the demand is we want the the new we want the information and we want it now, and we're not prepared to wait. So there's the digital technology is is creaking, um, is is forcing change in these organisations, and where I see it moving is that those central comms areas are going to become more centres of expertise. They're going to be the, the you know the managers of the risk, the holders of the templates, um, you know, the strategic partners into those areas. But much more of the doing is going to have to happen at the edges of organisation because of this demand uh, for speed, Um, this need for speed, this need for information, this need for relevance and this need, I actually want the information now. I don't want to have to get that information on uh, your particular timetable, which might not suit me. Uh, I think there's also what's also happening is that the, the workforce that is now starting to grow and to mature, they're very comfortable in the digital space. They're very dexterous with um, digital technologies and they're very comfortable um, communicating in those environments. So I think they're going to be more able um, to manage that. So I think those central comms areas are going to be able to you know, play that educative role, um, that risk role, um, to be able to you know, take what are latent skills of people who are coming into the public service to be able to achieve what you're talking about, which is that real intimate, direct uh, communication and engagement with uh, stakeholders and citizens such that they can get better feedback around policy proposals, they can understand problems more uh, better and more effectively. But again, I think it'll be through multiple channels. It just won't be through one one channel. And you'll see platforms like... Um, your say, um, you know, the bang the table, I think it's been sold now to somebody else, but those those engagement platforms that exist where all sorts of different policy and program areas have their little part of this uh, engagement platform. So I think you're going to see much more of that so people can open up engagement and, and use those, but they're going to have to be creating that content and, in, and using that engaging content in such a way that people are going to be prepared to share their views. But again, it goes to that last point is that... Uh, and this is probably slightly off topic, but the thing is, once you ask people for feedback and you receive that feedback, you need to then close the loop by going back and saying, okay, we heard from you. This is what you said. This is what we're going to to do about it. Now, you may not have changed people's minds. Um, You may have changed the policy or the program person's mind with whatever feedback that you gave, but they do need to feedback to be able to build that trust so as that people know that they are being heard, they're being considered, they might not always be agreed with, but um, that's certainly a, a big responsibility, I think, of public sector communicators to make sure that those uh, interactions are very authentic and, and engaging. So I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, imagining I'm, I'm working in the public sector, I'm sitting here hearing this, and I'm perhaps one of those people who's on the other end that you've described where I'm not, you know, I'm not a digital native, I'm not inherently comfortable with what we're talking about or proposing. And I am on that journey, but I'm not quite there yet. What examples should I look to or who should I look to to give me a bit of an idea of how I can make that transition sooner or faster, particularly, as you say, because others have already moved. Others are very comfortable in this space. What's your, 
yeah, what examples should we look to? And perhaps after that, what's your advice for those people? Uh, well, well, I think there are many good examples that, that you can see um, in all different parts of, um, you know, the public sector. There are leaders uh, in, in each of the sectors. So I think really the responsibility is, is for people to, you know, participate and to engage and, and to find out where, you know, those important conversations are taking in place. And I think to the, you know, Propel's um, methodology where you talk exactly that is about go and have a look, go and have a listen. You don't immediately need to jump in and start to think that you're going to have to tell everybody, you know, everything about yourself. But, you know, listening is such a, a key part of effective um, communication. It's no different whether it's, you know, traditional communication or social media communication, but listening to understand. Um, but I think, yeah, it depends which whatever sector that you might be in. I think there's ways of uh, looking at people, but um, just as someone who I believe is a is a good a great leader actually in the social media space in the public sector, is the secretary of the Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment, um, a guy by the name of Andrew Metcalf. You know, he's he's a fantastic uh, example of somebody uh, who shares content, uh, who finds things, uh, and is is willing to get out there and, and and share those with people. So. He'd be someone who, from a public sector leader point of view, if you want to show someone who's got a bit of personality, um, who's got a bit of confidence in in the story that he's telling, um, he would be someone that I would be looking to. But I think in any sector that you're in, because they are so different, really just getting involved and finding where those conversations are taking place and taking the time to get involved. Um, I do think there's not much of a choice really in this day and age. I don't think you can sit the dance out anymore. Uh, so you really do need to start to to get involved um, and to start to consume content and to start to understand where those conversations are taking place. And then, um, depending on how you want to uh, participate or how you want to derive value or how you want to create value, you know, you've got to be authentic to yourself. You do have to understand the risks of what it is that you are doing, uh, you know, coming out and starting to offer all sorts of opinions about things that you may or may not be uh, entitled to in terms of a uh, public sector governance environment, you know, that might be a bit risky for you if you do that. Uh, but, yeah, I, look, I think just to participate is really where you've got to start. Listening is where you begin. And then as you build your confidence, then start to, you know, create a bit of content, um, you know, create opportunities for you to listen to your audience and to start to build those trusted uh, relationships over time. And where do you think, David, I think that's all really helpful, practical advice, where do you think this responsibility sits? Should leaders themselves be pushing things forward? Should, you know, their trusted advisors, is it a combination of the two? How do these things normally start in your view? Uh, well, often I think it starts with influence and and people do start to see that others are perhaps uh, making an impact. And I think we've seen this at the political level. You know, there are some political leaders who've got out in front of this and and become, you know, very astute at being able to create and distribute useful, relevant, consistent content. They've been able to build communities. They've been able to participate meaningfully in a way uh, where they're creating value and where they're being able to listen and understand what's going on in their community so they can adapt and change, you know, the different policy solutions that they might be offering to those communities. Um 
but I think yeah, I think it is a bit of both. I think it's 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 really about. Uh, I think there is an individual uh, responsibility, but I think there's a collective responsibility from teams to understand well what is the best way for you to participate in the community that you are particularly involved in. Uh, and some of them are going to be more developed than others. So it really is about working together to understand what your context is, um, what's relevant in your context, what's the best way for you to um, participate in that, um, what's, what are you trying to achieve out of it, um, of, of your participation? Because sometimes, you know, maybe... You know, maybe there's there's not a, a reason for you to be there, depending on whatever that role that you may have uh, is. But I, certainly, I think there's just so much to be gained by by participating. And I know, you know, my sort of social media habits of of changing. I'm now sort of I'm 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 watching and listening and reading and consuming a lot, but I'm not as creating as much social media content, I suppose. I'm certainly still doing my podcasting and I write a blog about once a month, but I'm nowhere near as uh, uh, prolific as I used to be. And I'm, I'm not sure why. I just sort of felt I've, I've just taken it back because that's where I am at the moment. But that's not to say that in six months' time, I might not feel like I've got more to say, more to share. But I'm certainly listening and watching and uh, consuming a, 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 as much content as I ever have in the past. I think that's really wise. There's a lot in that about letting your purpose and having clarity on your purpose guide you and guide your efforts. And if that changes from having more of a communication or broadcast mindset to having more of a listening and understanding and even engaging mindset, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And, and in fact, it, you know, we talk about good examples. One of the ones I saw just the other day that I think nails exactly what you're describing there um, and actually touches on your point about elected um, political leaders working in partnership with uh, bureaucratic leaders was uh, the uh, Department of Customer Service or Service New South Wales and seeing the way that comments that are shared through LinkedIn directed to Minister Dominello, for example, are then picked up on and responded to um, by uh, Secretary Hogan and the, and the CEO of Service New South Wales, uh, Damon Rees. And you can actually see the interplay publicly through LinkedIn between ministerial office and, and bureaucratic office. And, and for me, that's a really interesting dynamic because it's using social media to listen, it's using social media to engage and respond, and it's demonstrating leadership across that political spectrum, if I can call it that, which, you know, you don't see too often. And I think those sorts of examples are really encouraging. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, but, but probably what sits at the heart of those relationships is trust, and I imagine that they have sat down and had the conversation to say, hey, you know, how do you think we should play this? What's our approach? Because what you need to do once you have those conversations is then to sort of come together in a in a strategic sense and then work out, well, okay, which part of this is going to be us? Which part of it's going to be you? What can we say? Where, where do we begin? Where do you end? Um, but again, do it in such a way that really, you know, shows that there's that authentic uh, engagement between the political leadership and the bureaucratic leadership in the benefit of the citizen to be able to provide the information that they can at the time. And it's, but you know, that, that should be table stakes, I think, in this day and age. And you've got to really be thinking about, uh, you know, how are you going to deliver on the, prior, you know, if you're a bureaucrat, your job is to deliver on the, you know, the priorities of the elected government of the day. 
And so you really can't be sitting just saying, oh, well, that's your job over there, our job's over here. It's like, well, no, we've got this incredible transformation that's taking place at the moment. How do we collectively work together to be effective, to be useful, to be relevant, um, you know, to to creating benefit for, for the citizens? So it's it's too big an opportunity just to leave to you know, the simple, oh, well, you know, that's you, that's us. Well, no, how about we put it in the middle of the room and start a conversation about it and come up with maybe a bit of a plan as to how we're going to go about it and then look at how we perform, evaluate the plan and then maybe come up with some, you know, start to add on uh, or, or subtract if things aren't working but add on other things that are working and start to come up with a bit of a, an approach that works, that works in the interests of the citizen. I think that's a really nice call to arms, David. So, I mean, what I'm hearing from you to to try and bring this all together, there is a shift already underway. And, and by the sounds of it, it's a capability shift because at some point we're going to run out of scope. Those, those comms teams who have been supporting so much for so long, they're not going to be able to do it all. So it, there needs to be capability uplift and it needs to be something that's managed across that political spectrum that we talk about. That's, driven, that, that, oh, we're, we're seeing that all the time in our business now. And, and I'll give you one simple example, and it's the, it's, it's the move to visual communication. You know, visual communication, digital transformation has elevated the importance of uh, visual communication, be it uh, animation uh, or be it, uh, you know, uh, placemats as they're referred to often in government. It's how do we take policy and dense policy and turn it into accessible visual communication so that when we're selling our ideas up the line, you know, we're, we're, we're being able to, you know, produce that in a compelling and impactful way. Now, that demand is is everywhere and that skill capability uplift is everywhere uh, or the demand for it. And, and so we're going to see increasingly, and again, this goes back to this point of, uh, you know, the responsibility for graphics is moving out of that central area and it's moving out into the organisations because the demand is so large. And that's going to continue as we move through audio, as we move through video, as we move through other forms of um, content. So, yeah, the capability uplift is is a huge um, part of what is going to change over the next little while as we, you know, as, as government seeks to become uh, more resilient uh, in being able to deliver effective communication. So there's a need for speed. But from what you're saying, there's a need for scale too. And I think that's the, the challenge that sits in front of everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, it's it's all of those things. And again, what's driving it though is at the other end. You know, is the consumption end. Is people saying, you know, if I'm a busy minister, don't, you know, don't give me the big, just give me the, you know, give, give me the cut down version so I can understand and I can understand what it is that you want me to do. And then they're being driven by outside forces which are asking them to make more decisions faster. Stakeholders have got direct communication. So this whole speeding up is taking place, this whole move to simplicity and engaging content, this whole, you know, mobility piece. And, you know, we haven't even kicked off when, you know, virtual reality, uh, augmented reality, uh, you know, multi-sensor, multi-5G environments, you know, the impacts of artificial intelligence. Like, we're only just really starting to get this treadmill moving, but what's going to happen is that this speed is going to get faster and faster and faster, and this capability is need to going to be spread further and further. And it's 
but it, but it then inside that public sector environment is it then how does the you know the the risk appetite you know spread across an organization such that it um you know it can manage and cope uh it's going to be fascinating to watch you know this whole digital transformation of government and i think for many years people have sort of you know government solid you know, digital transfer, you know, they might be able to, you know, hold it off, but I just can't see, I can't see it happening. And and so these changes are going to be taking place and they're going to be widespread and they're going to be fundamental. Um, we're going to see big changes in the way public services operate in the next two to three to five to 10 years. And as you said, you can't see that out of the dance. So it, it's really helpful to look at examples like Andrew Metcalf, as you said, or Victor Dominello, Emma Hogan, Damon Rees, looking at these people to see how are they doing it? How are they working in unison from both an entity and an individual perspective and across political and bureaucratic lines? I think this is a, hopefully a very encouraging um, and very empowering conversation for people. And David, if they do have questions for you, if, if people have questions where should they find you online? How's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, well, on LinkedIn. Uh, drop me a line on LinkedIn. I always pick up um, notes from there or send me a, uh, a note at info at contentgroup.com.au. That tends to get through to me as well. Uh, but, yeah, easy enough to find. And yeah, ha- happy to talk about it because it, it's, a, it's a fascinating time and really what sits at the heart of all of this is, you know, how can we – you know, strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens through effective communication. How can we restore trust uh, in our publicly, democratically elected institutions? And the way to do that is to, you know, get better at listening, get better at taking that feedback into policy and then feeding back to people about what's happening uh, about the feedback that they've been able to give. You know, there's a you know, it's it's a wonderful digital technology is 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 a wonderful enabling transformational vehicle um, that is there to be used. We all understand the risk. We all understand those other things that need to go and need to be considered with it. Um, but you know, if you if you if you're still sitting it out at the moment, well, maybe it's time to jump up onto the dance floor, as you said before, Rog. Uh, and then just start, just get going. You know, you don't have to be a genius overnight. You don't have to be, uh, you know, so much of government communication often is very, very narrow. Yes, there are the public sector campaigns about public health and about COVID and about a lot of things, but a lot of it's quite narrow. So really, you know, find find where you're operating in, find the community that you're trying to engage with, find out where they are, and then turn up with useful, relevant and consistent content and see what happens after that. But you, you'll probably find that people will be very pleased that you've turned up because often you're holding on to very valuable information. So let's let's spread it about and let's use technology, digital technology to, t- to spread it about. Couldn't agree more. And we often say that every moment you spend building your digital reputation is a moment well spent. So don't leave it until tomorrow. Start today. Well, start for sure. today. Your small things, you know, whether it, it's that listening piece to get going with or if it's like, okay, in the next quarter, I'm going to write a, a blog piece that's, you know, I'm going to post on this particular site because I think it could be useful and relevant. But it goes back to that point that you raised around purpose, you know, why are you doing it? If there's no good purpose, don't start. If you can't understand it, well, don't, don't do it, but... I don't think there's too many parts of, um, you know, the bureaucracy that 
that won't benefit from being engaged in uh, in the you know digital communities and that are relevant to their particular pieces of work. David Pembroke, thank you so much for sharing your insights on your digital reputation. Thanks, Rog. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.